Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. What's up guys? Welcome again to Reclaim Church Online. It's exciting to be together. Um, I know again we're not here physically, but we are united under one spirit, the Holy Spirit. So I'm glad you're with us this morning. Um, now would be a perfect time to go ahead and, and click the share button, um, send your family a text with the link, or whatever, whatever you can do to spread the message. We want to make sure as many people hear the word of God this morning as possible. So again, thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part of this. It's so good to be together online. Um, we're going to be ending our series, Living Hope, today with a message that I've entitled, When Hope Runs Dry. And uh, last week we talked about giving up our securities for the things of God and, and coming to this point in this place in our life where we trust in God fully. And we're going to be kind of touching on that just a little bit more today. But, but have you ever been through a season in your life where you feel like you're running on empty? I think if any time now is the time we feel like that, man, it's like, when is the next, like, when are we going to be allowed to go and do this again or go back to work or get back to life as usual? And as we've said before, I don't know if we really want life as usual. I think we want a new life. But do you ever feel like that, that you're running on empty? In 1 Kings 17, verse 8 through 16, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts, God, that you would revive our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's this woman, and she has now encountered the prophet, and he's, and he's asking her for some water and some bread. And she's basically telling him, I, have, I don't have much, and what I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it. And then my, me and my son, we're going to, we're gonna die, and this is going to be it. And, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but actually what's happening is, is the Lord brought famine upon the land because King Ahab was, was living in rebellion against the things of God. And so the Lord brings this famine and this drought, there's no rain, and because there's no rain... This woman is running out of resources in her own home. And now the, the prophet Elijah is there and he's asking for something from her. He's asking her for the rest of her bread and some water. And this woman is now in a place where she's, she's asked to give of what, uh, from the little that she has. And, and I want to ask you have, you, ever, have you ever felt this way? That you barely have anything left to give, yet God and others are asking for more from you? 
Do you ever feel that it's like one thing after another after another? Like, man, first, I, I, you know, maybe something, something happened to you. And then, and then now this thing with the, the virus and this thing, may, something may be happening with your job. And it's like, man, can I just catch a break? It's one thing after another. In our minds, it's, it's so inconvenient, especially at a time like this, for God to ask of us when we feel like we have, so, we have nothing. We're running on empty, but can I say this, that empty is the perfect place for God to move. When we, when we come to this place of empty, it means that the only thing that can help us is a miracle. So running on empty is not easy, it's not fun, and, but the truth is, like we've talked about before, dry seasons don't last forever, but in the dry season, it does require faith. It requires faith for us to give of what little we have. It requires faith for us to believe just a little bit more. But faith is not seeing what God is doing, but believing that he's going to do something. Faith is not saying, okay, I'm going to respond off of what's happening right in front of me right now. But faith is saying, I'm going to respond with what little I have, knowing that God has something great for me in the next season. Faith is, is in, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If you see the answer in front of you, it doesn't require faith. When we come to these seasons of, of nothing left or these seasons of running on dry or running empty, this is the season of faith. See, this woman had nothing left. Everything that she had was dried up in the drought. Everything that she was hoping for and that she had relied on, all of these things was gone because of this drought. But what do we do? What do we do when hope runs dry? I think first we have to understand what happened in this story. See, the drought needed to happen. The, 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 the dry seasons that we go through are not pointless seasons. They're not seasons for nothing. But the drought had to happen. In, in 1 Kings 17, 1 through 7, it says, Now Elijah, the, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and, run ter- and, and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook of Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook, and after a while the brook also dried up, because there was no rain in the land. So we see again, this, this drought was a, was, was, a, is a, was a work of God. It was, it was the hand of God moving on this nation because God was trying to get their attention back on him. And I think it all comes down to that where we started this, this, this series. It all comes down to where we started when we did these live streams. That, that the dry season that we're in, the, the drought that you may, be, you may be in right now in your life is not a drought that is pointless. But God is trying to get our attention back on Him. See, at this time, their hope was in Baal. This nation, their hope was in Baal. Their hope was in this false idol, this God with no power. But to them, Baal was known as a God who, who waters and who provides bread. So God, what God was doing is he was taking away the very thing that they thought Baal had provided. He was taking away water and they needed water to make bread. 
He was basically saying that the, there was no power in Baal because once God gave a word, everything that he provided for you was no longer available. See, droughts and seasons like this will reveal to us the idols within our own hearts. This dry times, these dry times reveal to us what we have been trusting in, what we have been worshiping in, because whatever has our attention has our affection. So if God doesn't have your attention in this season, that means that God doesn't have your affection. And what these seasons will do for us is they will show us what's had our attention this whole time because they're being taken away. Now we see, oh, my attention was there and my attention was in entertainment or my attention was I was so busy with work and I was so busy being distracted by the things of the world. Now God is saying, I'm taking the power away from your idols so you can see that they have, no, they have no power. Dry seasons reveal the weakness of our idols. They, re, they reveal the weakness of the things that we rely on because what we thought they can offer, they really can't. What we thought money can offer us, it really can't. What we thought our job could offer us, it really can't. What we thought our, our, our hobbies and our entertainment and our, even our sin could offer, it, offer us, we come to this point in a dry season when it's all stripped away that those things cannot give what we need. Like Baal could not give the bread. He could not give the water like they thought he could. Jeremiah eleven twelve 12 says this, Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go, will go and cry to the gods to whom they make offerings, but they cannot save them in the time of their trouble. Isaiah 46, 7 says, They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it, they set it in its place, and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. What is the scripture telling us? That the idols that we create, have no power, they have no control, they cannot give us what we need. Now, you may be talking, we may be talking about money, we may be talking about bread, you may be talking about water, but even the emotional needs that we have as people, even the, 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 the feeling of uh, the need to be affirmed or the need to find identity or the, the need to, to feel joy and to feel loved, all those things cannot be found in idols. They cannot give you what you're looking for. And in these seasons of drought, when hope runs dry, it brings us to a place of not hopelessness, hopelessness, but repositioned hope. God is not, this drought was not meant to bring the people of God to a place of no hope. The season that we're in is not meant to bring us to a place of no hope. It's not, to, it's not meant to bring us to a place of despair or, or depression. It's not meant to bring us to a place where we feel like there is no answer. This season and these droughts are meant to, not to remove hope, but to reposition hope. My hope, just, just like what we're looking at in Scripture, their hope was once in their idols. So what is God doing? He's saying, no, 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 no. that's not going to give you what you need. I need you to take that hope and reposition it to a living hope, to a, to a hope that actually lasts. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. See, God was doing to this woman what he wants to do to this nation. He was bringing her to a place of repositioned hope. When, we, when our hope when, when our hope is revealed to be in the wrong place, we realize that God, only God can give us what we need. 
These seasons, these seasons, again, are not meant to rob us of hope, but to reposition our hope. But if we're honest, these seasons that we're in, the, the seasons of drought and the seasons of feeling dry, it's hard to have this perspective. It's hard to, it's hard to get past the hopelessness. In, in 1 Kings 17, 11 through 14, it says, And as she was going to bring it, he called her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said this, As the Lord your, your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat and die. This lady, this woman was in a place where she was completely hopeless. She was done. She was done. She's saying, I'm, I'm going to take what little I have left. It's almost like she's made peace with it. You ever, you ever make peace with those seasons in your life? Like, whatever, I, I've lost. You know, I, I'm done. I'm, I have nothing else to give. And that's exactly where she was at. She's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm going to take what little I have left. I'm going to eat it. And I'm just going to die. And then in that desperation, the prophet has, has, I guess, the audacity, right, to say, hey, I know you don't have a lot, but what you have, can you give it to me? How do you ask a hopeless person to give me, to give you the little hope they have left? It doesn't make sense. And, and, and beyond that, she didn't, she didn't even believe in the God of Elijah. She was a person of Baal. She was, she was a, an idol worshiper. She did not even believe in the God of Elijah. That's why she says, the Lord, your God. She's not claiming God as her own God. She, she didn't even believe in this God. And so now she's in a hopeless place. She's got nothing left. And the prophet from a God that she doesn't even believe in now meets with her and says, hey, what little you have, I, need, I want you to give it to me because I'm hungry. But see, what was happening in this moment, it seemed to her that hope was being stripped from her. But in fact, it was hope that was coming to her. In this moment where she felt like she was losing it all, and this prophet, which is a representation of God, comes on the scene and says, give me what you have left. What she thought was hope, that was hope being stripped away was actually hope coming to her because it was a sign that God was ready to provide for her. What I love about this is that they were in, I believe it's Zarephath, Zarephath. And that it was a land that was basically sold out to idol worship. And so God is coming to provide for a woman that is not a believer. So he's coming to provide for Baal's people in Baal's land. Like how, how crazy is that for God to do that? Basically going and saying, I'm going to strip your power away, Baal. I'm going to walk in and I'm going to provide for your people because you can't. That's how good God is. God will, God will pick people that don't deserve to be chosen. God will call on people that don't deserve to be called on. God will give people hope that don't deserve hope. God will give people provision that don't deserve provision. And at this time, what God was doing is he wasn't just handing her the multitudes of bread. He wasn't giving her the multiplied gift. What God was doing was giving her an opportunity to walk in faith. Now, faith was not meant for her. Not at this time. She was not a, one of the chosen people of God. Again, she was an idol worshiper. She, she, was not to, she was not even supposed to receive this gift. 
But because of the mercy of God, he gave her an opportunity to walk in something she wasn't ready to walk in yet. He gave her an opportunity to receive something she wasn't ready to receive yet. See, again, faith was, it was an opportunity for faith. God was telling her, will you give up what you have before, before you get what I can give? It was an opportunity for faith. She literally did not have the next meal planned. She was literally done. This was it. This was it. And the prophet says, give me what you have left. And I'm going to, when you give it to me, the jar that you have and the jug that you have will not run dry. The provision that you need will not be taken away from you if you just give what you have. This hope that came to her was not the hope that Baal provided because the hope that Baal provided was stripped away. This hope that came to her was a hope that doesn't run dry. Now, the thing about this, wo- this widow, this woman, is as a widow in that time, they were basically used to being taken advantage of. That people would just would, um, exploit them. And so now there's this prophet, and maybe that's why she did it. Maybe she was just so used to being exploited that she was like, you know what, yeah, just take what I have left. I'm going to die anyway. But now this prophet is coming, and she has an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to walk in the faith that he has. I'm going to trust in his word because I have nothing left. It was a hope that she was given that doesn't run dry. See, she was used to the God that she served, which was a God that, again, was, it was Baal. And Baal was known as a God that was, that was quick to anger and quick to strike. So that when you, when you made a mistake, when you, did, when, you, when, you, when you walked away, that God was quick to curse you. That God was quick to, to be angry with you. And so she was used to this kind of God because she had never encountered the God of Elijah. So all she was used to was a hope that runs dry. All she was used to was being let down. All she was used to was, was being promised and those promises being broken. And I know that some of us can relate to that. When God is calling us to walk in faith, when, when we're called to, to invest in relationships in the church, when we're called to trust Him in this season, all we can think of is what our idols did to us. All we can think of is how we've been hurt by people and how we've been let down by people and how everybody that's promised us good things has broken their promises. But now you have an opportunity, just like this woman, to, to, to receive a hope that doesn't run dry. See, our feelings towards God and our feelings towards him based on our past experiences don't change who he is. Just because we don't believe that he's a good God doesn't mean he's not. Just because we believe that he doesn't provide doesn't mean that he won't. No matter what we think about God, it doesn't change who he is. So we can choose to hope in who he is or put our hope in a false God that we've created. Or put our hope in a God that we think he is. Psalms 22, 1-5 says, Why are you so far from saving me from the, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Now he's speaking from how he feels. Now check out the next verse. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praise of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. So what is he saying? He's saying, 
I'm telling you how I feel, but then I'm expressing who you are. I may feel like you don't hear me. I may feel like you're not listening. I may feel like you won't respond, but I look to who you are and what you've done. When we feel like God is not for us, when we feel like God is angry with us, when we feel like God is is not listening to us, can we stop going off of our feelings and put our hope in who he really is? In the word, the way he, he describes himself? Because God is a God who not only gives endless hope, who not only gives a a hope that actually lasts and a reason to hope, but he's a God that works with what's left. Now, I'm not saying like, oh, give God the very worst that you have because he'll work with that. What I'm saying is when you've got nothing, God will work with it. He works with what's left. I love what it says, 17, verse 15 and 16. And she went and and did, as Elijah said, and she and her, her household ate, For many days, the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. See, I love that Elijah asked for everything she had. And he not only asked for what she had, he specifically asked for what she believed Baal provided. He is asking her to trust in a God that she's never encountered, in a God that she's never believed in, she was asked to put her hope in a God that she could not see. This little bit that she had left, he said, just give me that. And if you give that to me, you, you won't run dry again. With little hope she had left, if you were to just give it to God, you wouldn't run dry again. What little we have left. Isaiah 42 verse 3 says, a bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. A bruised reed is a representation of the poor and the needy. A faintly burning wick represents those who have almost lost their hope in the Lord. Just the the little hope that you have left. Just that little bit that you say, man, this is is all I've got. I don't have much left to give. I'm going to live in this and that will be the end of it. God is saying that little bit, maybe you feel like giving up. Maybe in this season you really feel like quitting on God. Maybe you really feel, just feel like throwing in the towel saying, I'm done with this. I can't trust in God anymore because I can't feel him. Can I, can, I, can I encourage you today? Maybe that little bit of hope is what God is asking for. Because God is, is the kind of God that when you give him what little you have left, he multiplies it. He, he, he multiplies what we have. You might be at the end of your rope, but what's left He will not waste that. He doesn't just take advantage of it, but he wants it as a seed. Imagine if this woman said no. Imagine if this woman told the prophet, you know what? No, I'm good. I'm just going to, I'm going to take this and I'm going to die. Then that's exactly what would have happened. That's exactly what would have happened to her. See, he could have chosen anybody else. Why would he go to this poor woman with nothing left? Why would he choose her? Like, in a sense, you kind of feel bad for her because she's stuck in a hard place. Like, you would want to say no as this woman, right? You, that would be the, the first answer. Like, I don't, I don't think I can do that. This is it. This is all I've got. And how many times when God calls us to do something, is that our response? Well, God, I can't because I don't have enough to give. God, I know you've called people and, you're, and you want to use people, but not me because I only got a little bit left. I don't have much to give. 
Why would God choose someone like this woman? Why would God choose someone like us? Right? Like, God, you should find somebody that's a little bit smarter than me. You should find someone that's a little bit better at this than I would be. You should find someone that can do a better job than I would. Why does God choose the ones that are weak? Why does God choose the ones that are poor? Why does God choose these people? God chooses the weak people. God chooses the poor. God chooses the foolish. Not, not just to choose them for fun, but God chooses them so that his power and his provision could be displayed. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to, ch- to shame the strong. He chooses the weak and the empty to prove his power and provision. He chooses those with just a little bit to show the power of multiplication and the miracle working power of himself, of God. It's an everlasting hope that he gives. We're not, we're not putting, in this season, listen, we're not putting our hope in a, in a, in a dead God. We're not putting our hope in, in, in wishful thinking. We are putting our hope in a God who hears. We are putting our hope in a God who sees. We are putting our hope in God who is with us. If I can have the worship team come up, I'm going I'm to close with this last thought. And then we're going to sing a song. But when we're done with that song, don't leave because we do want to take an offering. But I want you to take this time as we close this message. I want you to take this time to, to pray and seek the Lord. Maybe as you're singing this song, you, you just ask the Lord that he would speak to you, that God would begin to challenge your heart. But this that we're talking about, when hope runs dry, we have to remember if we were to just give up what we have left, God multiplies it. And it's an eternal hope that we have in God. I believe that, that this woman teaches us a valuable lesson. She teaches a valuable lesson. What do we do when hope runs dry? What do we do when we have barely anything left? We put it in God. What do we do when we feel like our trust, our trust for others has been broken and taken advantage of? We put it in God. What do we do when we've been trusting our resources and provision on all these other things and they're stripped away from us? We take what we have left. We give it to the Lord. See, this woman was not, it's, it was, it's not like she was this, this woman who was a worshiper of God and who, who was a woman of God. No, no, she was a widow that served Baal. And the Lord chose her as a sign of his mercy, as a sign of his love. And he gave her an opportunity to walk in faith. She learned quickly that the God that she had trusted for all her provision before could not give her what she needed. But this God that she had encountered through Elijah was not a God quick to anger and quick to strike, but was a God who is a God of love and a God of mercy and willing to multiply what we have left. See, God may find us empty and hopeless, but he won't leave us that way. He may find us in a season of brokenness and hurt and pain, but he won't leave you that way. So what do we do when hope runs dry? What do we do when we feel like giving up and we feel hopeless and we feel empty? We go to the God who can multiply, the God of eternal hope. Psalms 20 20, verse 6 through 9 says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. 
Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. This is the God that we trust. As we end and conclude this series, Living Hope, remember that our hope, our hope that we have is not a hope that is temporary or broken or earthly. The hope that we have is, a, is our hope in God, and it is an eternal and living hope. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.